The Power of the Word is brought to you each week by the support of our partners and friends. Today on Power of the Word. There's a great power in a yes, a power. The, the power of a yes has the power to bring everything that God wants to do to you and through you. But a no is a rejection of all of it. All the things that we want God to do, we have to say yes to His will first. All the things that we want to receive from God, we have to say yes, because it's not automatic just because God wants it. And it might not be automatic just because you want it. Wanting it and being willing to do what it takes to get it are not always one and the same. One of the most important lessons that you'll ever learn is how to tap into God's timetable for your life. He has amazing things planned for you, but He wants to give them to you in the right timing. In this dynamic book by Dr. Ed King, you'll see that everything in life has a time and a season, and you can be more confident than ever that your next move is by the inspiration and timing of God. To receive the book, The Timing of God by Dr. Ed King for only $13.50, Call us at 1-800-956-4433 or visit us online at poweroftheword.com. Trust God and His perfect timing for everything in your life. And so I'm impressed to talk to you about today about breaking bondages and setting captives free. Amen. Everybody say breaking bondages. Say setting captives free. Now sometimes the bondage may be in us. Maybe somewhere else, but sometimes we are the captive. Now I know in Jesus we're not. I know Jesus has given us the victory, but sometimes we have to walk that out. Sometimes we have to do certain things to experience it. Amen. We, uh, we have it positionally. He paid for the right to have it, but sometimes experientially is not exactly the same. Sometimes our experience is not exactly what we're entitled to. Amen. And usually it's because of one, it's either a lack of knowing, two, it may be an act of doing. Sometimes we may know what to do and just don't. Sometimes we don't know what to do. And it can be one or the other. Or maybe a combination along the way of the blend of that. Amen. Partial knowledge. We know partially what to do, but not fully. So I want to take that theme today and just share some things with you. Now I want you to open your Bibles to the book of Mark. You got your Bible? You got your iPad? You got your phone? What have you got? Something. You got some form of the Word of God? Amen. Those of you listening to us online, you've got all kinds of ways to do it. And we're thankful to God for it. Amen. Now we find, uh, I want to open this what I'm going to share with you. I want to open in Mark chapter 3. And you can find this in other Gospels, but I, li I like the way Mark puts it here. It's, it's pretty, well, I think revealing. 
But Jesus, it uh, tells us in verse number 13, and he goeth up into a mountain and calleth unto him whom he would, and they came unto him, and he ordained twelve that they should be with him, that he might send them forth to preach and to have power to heal the sick and to cast out devils. And you'll find in, in uh, other places, you'll find in the book of Luke in a couple of passages, one, he, he ordained the 12 to go out and, and take this gospel and do certain things, heal the sick, uh, set it liberty, them that are bound, do certain things. But then he also sent the multitude out. He sent the 12 out, but he also sent the multitude out. The point being is these men, these are the ones we call the 12 apostles. One of them forsook his calling. So 11 of these followed it through to completion. One, Judas Iscariot, he failed. Amen. But if you notice in this sending forth, it says, and he ordained 12. Everybody say ordained. ordained. So that's a scriptural process to ordain people or to set people apart for the work wherein they're called. Now, not everybody can be ordained. You can, everybody is ordained by God to do something. We're called by God to do something. Everybody's called to preach. Say, I'm called to preach. <clears throat> now, you may be called to preach, but you may not be called into what we refer to as the five-fold ministry, the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, or teacher. You may not be in one of those roles, but everybody's called to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. That's actually what it means to preach. So we're all called to do that. Amen? And sometimes people confuse that call to preach as a call into that active five-fold ministry, and they're not always one and the same. Because all of us get stirred inside and we want to share our faith and our love for the Lord, and we want to tell people about Jesus, and so, and we should. That's a good thing. But sometimes it can be misunderstood, and people can think that they're called into the ministry. I heard a, a person I respect highly in ministry talking about a lot of times how people are called, and you know, a lot of people um, will profess a calling. And he said, I think that God probably... Um, in one way or another leads people to believe they may be called into the ministry. And one of the things I think he's doing when he's doing that is see if you're willing. And once you say you're willing, he said, well, I didn't really want you to. I just wanted you to be willing to. And so, you know, sometimes there can be some uh, misunderstanding there, but we have, that's, it's just called growing in the Lord, you know? And so we go through these processes, but what I want you to see here is Jesus ordained 12 for ministry. And uh, they were chosen by Jesus. There's some important things to note right here. It says, they were, it says that he ordained 12 that they should be with him. The first thing that anybody who's called into the ministry is supposed to take care of is their relationship with Jesus Christ. You don't take care of everybody else first. You take care of that first. He ordained 12 that they might be with him. And so there had to be a sweet enough fellowship between them that Jesus could entrust them with what he wanted to entrust them with. We have to spend time with the Lord and time in his presence. And then it says, and uh, they responded to him. It says that uh, 
he chose 12 to be with him, and they actually came to be with him. You know, it's one thing to be summons, it's another thing to respond. God can ask you to do something, but you've got to say yes to it. He told Mary, he visited Mary with an angel to tell her she was going to have a, a child if she was willing. But before any of that process could take place, she had to say yes. We've talked about it here before. I've preached on it. But there's a great power in a yes, a power. The, the power of a yes has the power to bring everything that God wants to do to you and through you. But a no is a rejection of all of it. All the things that we want God to do, we have to say yes to his will first. All the things that we want to receive from God, we have to say yes, because it's not automatic just because God wants it. And it might not be automatic just because you want it. Wanting it and being willing to do what it takes to get it are not always one and the same. Well, I want it, but I want it if it's easy. I want it if there's no sacrifice, if there's no work involved. Well, God said, separate them for the work whereunto I've called them. So sometimes we get separated for work. And when God separates you for the work of the ministry, there's work involved. It's not just, you know, going home, sitting on the couch, waiting on the checks to come. There's some activity that has to be associated with that. Amen? Praise God. And so uh, these were chosen by Jesus, and he called them, called whom he would, and they came unto him. And then their first responsibility, as we said, was to be with him. Then they were sent by him. So there's a progression here. They had to be with him before they got sent. Amen. You don't get sent if you don't spend time with the Lord. Amen. But the, the main thing I want to point out with this passage right here to take us where we need to go is he gave them power to heal the sickness, heal sicknesses in verse uh, 15, and to cast out devils. Everybody say cast out devils. Now a devil is a demon. Now there's a lot of, uh, uh, you know, where do demons come from? Well, I don't know. I wasn't here. Were you? That was not a trick question. You, you could just rest easy with the answer. You, if, if you don't know, I'll tell you, no, you were not here. Okay. So uh, some have said, well, demons are fallen angels. Well, that may be true. Some have said they come from uh, a pre-Adamite race that existed on the planet before, you know, the flood and things of that nature, or before even creation as we know it. There, was, there were two floods mentioned in the book of Genesis. There was a flood before the six-day creation. Darkness was upon the face of the deep. So there was a flood before. So there was a world before that. Say what? Well, there was. That's not the sermon today, so I don't have time to clear all that up. But anyway, um, then what we find in, in Genesis 1 and 2 that we call creation is actually recreation. It was a, a re redoing or renewing or replenishing of things that have happened before that had been rendered into a chaotic condition because of sin that entered through the former 
race, or group of people, whomever that may be. Well, I never heard that. Well, I know, but that's true. And so a lot of people believe that those people that were destroyed during that time, or beings, whatever they may be, uh, that a lot of the demonic activity is from that group of group of people, those beings. That may be, may very well be true. So when you say where do demons come from, well, there's a lot of speculation. There's a lot of wondering about it, and all. Uh, somebody said, "Well, a, well, an angel can never possess a person, so it, it couldn't be fallen angels." Well, what do you think Satan did to Judas Iscariot? Bible says Satan entered him. So that dog won't hunt, as they say. Now you have to you have to surrender before the devil can get in you. And I'll say this as a Christian. Can, well, the the question I'm 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 idling around a little bit. Is that all right? We're just rambling around here a little bit in the Word. Can a Christian have a demon? Well, yeah. Uh, I think the better question is, can a demon have a Christian? That's probably the better question. But we are three-part beings. We are spirit, soul, and body. And so you can have a, a, a demon harass your body and harass your mind and even get in your mind. But as a Christian, a demon cannot enter your spirit. So a Christian can never be fully demon-possessed. Now they can be demon-oppressed. Highly oppressed. And you have to deal with it. But a Christian can't be demon-possessed. Now a person in the world can. I mean, a, a spirit can take them over, spirit, soul, body, a whole being. That madman of the Gadarenes, he was in the tombs. None could hold him. They bound him with fetters and chains, and the fetters and chains couldn't hold him. And he wasn't really a big man. You know, he wasn't, he wasn't massive in size, but he had a supernatural strength that could break chains. In the, in the negative... Um, that would be a comparison to Samson. Samson in the positive. When the Spirit of God would come on him, he had a supernatural strength. Samson was not a, a big man because he even surprised uh, his enemies, the enemies of God, because they didn't know where he got his strength. They, they didn't understand that because he was not physically that big. But he had a supernatural strength. But he didn't have that strength all the time. He had that strength when the Spirit of God would come on him. You, you remember when the, when the Spirit came on the prophet and he ran? What did he run? 20 miles or something like that? He ran the horses. Well, that's a, that's, pretty, that's a pretty big deal, you know. But he couldn't do that all the time. He couldn't do that just on an Olympic tryout. You know, but you read about these things in the Bible, and when the Spirit of God comes on people, they, they, they do exploits. We have this wonderful opportunity that God has provided us through the television 
satellites and all the things that we do to reach you. But it is an expensive proposition to come to you. And we do it for you, we don't do it for money, we don't do it for any of those reasons, we do it for you, but it takes money to do it. You can have money and have no ministry, but you can't have ministry when you have no money. We appreciate you being willing to partner with, uh, with us here at Power of the Word through your giving and through your prayers because you are making it happen. Of course the Lord, but He uses people just like you. And so prayerfully consider being a part of this team here at Power of the Word through your prayers and through your financial giving. And we certainly would appreciate it and we thank God for you. in uh, Mark chapter 5 in just a minute. And you look here, and they came over unto the other side of the sea, that's the Sea of Galilee, into the country of the Gadarenes. And when he was come out of the ship immediately, there met him um, They immediately met him out of the tombs. Now, see, this guy was living in a graveyard. He's living in a cemetery. All right? A man with an unclean spirit. Everybody say unclean spirit. Who had his dwelling among the tombs. He lived, what was said, he lived in a graveyard. And no man could bind him, no, not with chains. So they put chains on him, he'd break them because that he had been often bound with fetters and chains, and the chains had been plucked asunder by him, and the fetters broken in pieces, neither could any man tame him. This is a wild man. But he's wild based on demon possession. Now, he may have been an intelligent man. Probably was. May have been a smart man. May have been, well, you know he's a person with a family somewhere. But here, for whatever reason, he allowed something to get a hold of him to the point it drove him into this condition. And there are people around today in similar conditions right now. They've allowed something to begin to get a hold of them to the point where things begin to possess their life. It can start as simple as unforgiveness. You begin to harbor a grudge against your family. You begin to isolate yourself against your family. You begin to, to make decisions that are not conducive to the will of God and not conducive to keep you protected in God. And the next thing you know, you can find yourself in a horrible condition. And you look back and you don't even know how you got here. There are people bound with alcohol. There are people bound with everything. There are people bound with drugs. Well, that didn't just happen. There has to be a starting place. There are people bound with other things. People are bound with, with sexual spirits. They're bound with it. You say, well, they need to quit. They can't quit. You understand what I'm saying? They could have quit maybe way back, but up, back up the road, but they can't quit now. 
They need somebody to deliver them. They need somebody to step in. See, this is where this man was. Now, he had made decisions. He, he didn't get there without willingness to get there. He had to make choices. But see, these little foxes are what spoil the grapes. These little things that you don't think matter, and I say you, you know, generic you, not you, you. But anybody, any human being, make little decisions that you think mean nothing. They're, they're, they're not important. And the next thing you know, that little decision begins to lead to another decision and a bigger decision and a bigger one and a bigger one. And then the next thing you know, somebody looks back and thinks, how did I get here? But they are. But they are. Now, he goes on to say, And always night and day was in the mountains and in the tombs crying and cutting himself with stones. He, 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 you know, you've heard of cutters. He, he cut himself. He hurt himself. He brought harm to himself. That spirit caused him. See, this is a spirit that wants to destroy him. And probably eventually would. Cut years off of his life. Take years away from him. Get him out here, string him out, get him hooked on this, hooked on that. Next thing you know, at 30, 35, he's dead. You know, most men, I, I heard this and I've watched it, I've observed it over time. Most men that get into, you know, they have affairs and they get into adultery. I heard a man of God tell me this. I didn't find a scripture for this, but, but after he told me this, I, I, I've watched it and it seems to be pretty true. But men that get, have affairs, get in affairs, and, and don't repent, you know, just that's where they live. They usually die in their 40s and their 50s. They just cut years off their life. And people think, well, they had a heart attack. Well, maybe. That might have been the cause of death that the coroner puts on the paper. But the cause of death was way back up the road when you decided to be an unfaithful person and you didn't think, well, nobody will catch me. But God knew it. And then you wonder why. See, and people get in these messes and they wonder how they get in them, but they're in them. And they're real. Now I'm taking you somewhere with this. You remember our message today? Setting captives free. You know, that's what we're talking about here. Amen. And, um, and when he saw Jesus afar, afar off, he ran and worshiped him. Now I want you to notice here. Here's a man in this condition. He's, he's in the tombs. He's living in a graveyard. He's a cutter. No man can tame him. He's a wild man. I've seen people in this condition. I, I mean, this condition right here. I've seen them in this condition. And when he saw Jesus, he ran and worshiped him. That shows you the power of the spirit over that demon. That demon force would not allow him to go worship Jesus, but he had power over that demon, even in this condition. Amen. But when he saw Jesus afar, he ran and worshiped him and cried with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou son of the most high God? I adjure thee by God that thou torment me not. Now this, this man is being used of the demon to speak. The demon is speaking through this man. And so this demon is saying, What have I to do with thee, thou Jesus? Have you come to torment me? 
And then he goes on to say, and he said unto him, Come out of the man, thou unclean spirit. And he asked him, What is thy name? Now notice there was one spirit that possessed this man. One. One. Everybody say one. one. All right. Now notice he had one spirit. And Jesus asked him, What is thy name? And he answered and said, My name is Legion, for we are many. So there's one spirit that possessed him, but there's a legion assisting him. Now, a Roman legion of soldiers was 6,000. This is one man with 6,001 evil spirits living in him. Does that show you anything about the capacity of the human spirit? That's incredible, but it's true. And say, well, you know, I, I thought he had 2,000. Well, we'll read on about it. And he besought him much that he would not send him out of the country. Now, see, this was a territorial spirit that was controlling the region of that area. Controlling that area by this, this one spirit was the spirit in charge of that area. But he was using that man as his body. Now, he didn't do all the work that he did just inside that man's body. But he needed a body to do or manifest himself. And so he was controlling that region from that man. So you think it's a little old demon-possessed man out here in the graveyard, and he may be running the whole territory. Because he besought him, they, they asked Jesus, said, don't send us out of this country. So they had territorial jurisdiction that they did not want to give up. Principalities, powers, the rulers of the darkness of this world, spiritual wickedness in the heavenlies, there's categories of demonic powers, and some of them are regional. So many people in life today have so many issues that have come into their life from the past. And when Jesus told his disciples, this kind goeth not out or cometh not out, but by prayer and fasting, he was talking about a particular category of demonic oppression that was on people. And a lot of that is generational. It, it's inherited, not necessarily genetically inherited, but maybe behaviorally inherited. We learn behavior and then we, we redo it. But God has a way of setting people free. No matter where they are in life, He has a way of doing that. And uh, of course, we've been talking about fasting here, but uh, that's not the only way, but that's one of the big ways that God goes to set people free. Now, if you're living in and dealing with oppression in your life, I want to just tell you right now your answer is in Jesus Christ and I, and I right now speak to you and I command that influence that oppressing influence I command it to leave you in Jesus name and if you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life there's a way to not only get free but there's a way to stay free you need to ask him into your heart you need to pray a simple prayer say Jesus I take you right now as my Lord and my Savior to give my life to you to serve you today and forever, sin, Satan, 
I don't serve you. Now, if you prayed that little simple prayer, let us know here at Power of the Word. We wanna pray with you. Short prayer, quick, but it gets the job done if you believe. It's all by faith, guys. That's how it works. We love you. Enjoy being with you. See you next time.